This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. We are, uh, the three of us, back together again for the first time in quite a while. About uh, close to a month. Thank goodness. Sounds right. Yep. I think Jim out two weeks. I was out prior to that. Good to have everybody back. What are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about this kid named Jackson Holiday. Turns out he's pretty good. <laughs> funny, funny to think guys that this has all happened very quickly i I was just thinking it's it's funny to think that of course he went number one overall and he was uh, he was our number two ranked draft prospect right behind drew jones is that right right yep correct but like just a few months before that he was not really i mean he was on the radar but i i want to say he did he start out at number 52 on the top 100 prospects list draft prospects list for some reason that that number sticks in my head um, somewhere in the 50s. I mean, he had a bad summer. He, he was considered, I think, a consensus coming into the year a, a, as a second round talent. He had gotten kind of overly aggressive on the showcase circuit and had some swing and miss. I mean, he, I mean, we seems like we say this every year about guys who are top guys. You know, there, there were some, I mean, it's funny to think about now, there was concerns about his hitting ability because he was overly aggressive on the showcase circuit. And so people, you know, and he hadn't, you know, he was a good athlete, but he hadn't really made that that leap yet. And good call, Jason. I'm looking it up here. I would, that was me stalling as I was trying to open the file. He was number 52. Wow. Uh, number 52, right? It was sandwiched between Tucker Toman and Justin Crawford on our preseason top 100. Oh. But I will say, I think, and I couldn't tell you off the top of my head when their season started in high school, but I'd say seven to ten days into, like a couple weeks into his high school season, people were just raving about how good he looked, how, I mean, you're not facing the same competition that you're facing on the showcase circuit, but just he'd settled down at the plate and he'd gotten bigger and stronger and faster and was throwing better. And, you know, if we'd redone the list, you know, a week or two into his high school season, he would have jumped up toward the top very, very quickly. I mean, he, it was just night and day when his senior season began. And we're not, e- we're not even talking about Jackson Holiday yet. We're just telling you that we're going to talk about it. I was, you're <laughs> and, right. I, that's how excited are, I was. Sorry. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait. I'm, <laughs> we're still introducing the pod. Yeah, and why are we going to talk about him? Is because he's just been bumped up to AAA now. This this unbelievable season uh, just continues to get better. So anyway, we're going we're gonna to talk more about Jackson Holiday. We're going to talk about uh, some recent big league debuts. There have been some big big league debuts in the Big Apple with some big prospects, uh, namely Jason Dominguez and Ronnie Mauricio. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the newest top 100 additions as guys have graduated off the list. We've had a few new additions and uh, all from this year's draft class, right? So far. Yep. And uh, we'll answer a question from the mailbag. All right. Back to holiday. So I'd forgotten how to podcast while on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Just right into it. No, that that was my. I, I kind of I teed you up and 
you took off. I feel like you asked me a question, so. Yeah, no, it's definitely my fault. Um, so, you know, the context of, of this, I, I mentioned before, is because he's now been promoted to AAA. Now, four levels in his full season debut. Uh, and, you know, I, I kind of asked the question to you guys, how how special is this season? Like, how can we contextualize this? And you guys have both been doing this for a long time. How many times have you seen a player play across four levels in his full season debut? Have you ever seen it? Has it has this happened? I don't remember it if it has, to be honest. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. I think the only thing that is remotely close I mean, I guess what Ronald Acuna's year was insane, right? In twenty seventeen, but that was a Mortal three levels. Was that his age 19? I, I got one for that you. I got one for 19. you. You do? I, I, you I do. Even it's let me it's even better. Waxing eloquent. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I got no, excited. No, please. No, you go please. ahead. Talk about Ronald no, Acuna, but I'm I've got one. Yeah, Jim, this is another thing that this is another way that a podcast works, in case you forgot. <laughs> I know. I can't. I, I'm just going to have to recuse myself. He's I got very, excited. I, I had an epiphany. I looked it up on baseball reference and I got excited. Wow. But, uh, but we're forgetting about Alex Rodriguez. Um. Wow. Who was 18 years old and is not just making his full season debut, but making his pro debut, who went single A, double A, triple A majors in his age 18 season. So that's the, you know, and again, I mean, I've said this before. I think Alex Rodriguez is probably the best prospect of my 30 plus year. I, I don't know that I'll ever see a better prospect than Alex Rodriguez. Um, and, you know, Alex Rodriguez's season was more impressive because he was younger and got to the big leagues. <laughs> but when you're getting mentioned in the same breath as Alex Rodriguez, that's pretty good. Yeah, that was before my time. <clears throat> um, yeah, and so since then, Jonathan Acuna is a great call. That was that was his age 19 season. Yeah, his age 19 season. He started in high A, just raked. He got better. He just kept getting better. Right, 814 ops in high A, 895 ops in double A, 940 ops in 54 games at triple A. He ended up with a 20, it was a 2040 season. And then he went on and had a really, really good fall yeah, went to the league. fall league. Yeah. And then, you know, was in the big leagues in 2018 doing Ronald Acuna things. So that was the only guy that came to mind. You know, Albert Pujols was what, age 20 season. And he went from low A to triple A, but it was he was only in triple A for a half a second. You know, he went he basically was across two levels of A ball, then they jumped him to triple A for three, you know, for the very end of the season. Then he went to the fall league and then was in the big leagues the next year. That was his only year in the minor leagues. More recently, uh one of the better minor league seasons I recall was that of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. His 2018 season he was that was his age 19 season uh and he played he played at four levels but i think there was some rehab involved because he played three games at the rookie level one at high a bulk of his time he spent at double a 61 games 30 at triple a put up a slash line of 381 437 636 made a run at 400 had a 1.073 ops 20 home runs just 95 games uh but that strikes me as a, a pretty similar season as well but i mean look at the names we're talking about here 
Yeah. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr., Alex Rodriguez, and uh, Jackson Holiday. And if to to give it a little more uh, context and and perspective, if you go back and look, so you know Holiday was the number one overall pick last year. Now the number one prospect. If you go back through our rankings and look at guys who were the number one overall pick out of high school, high school hitters, and look at what they did in their full season debuts, uh, going back to Joe Maurer, who was the number one pick in 2001. In 2002, he had a fine season, uh, posted a 785 OPS in 110 games at low A, just low A. B.J. Upton was the number two pick in 2002, was the number two prospect. Also, fine season in his full debut, 821 OPS, eight home runs, 40 stolen bases in 130 games, 101 of them at low A and 29 at double A. Delman Young, number one overall pick out of high school, full season debut, 926 OPS, 25 homers, 21 stolen bases, did it all at low A. And you just go down the list. I mean, number one overall picks who were highly ranked prospects, Justin Upton spent his first full season entirely at low A. Tim Beckham, number one overall pick, entirely at low A. Bryce Harper, I guess, is another decent comp. Uh, Number one pick, uh, not technically out of high school, but was uh, high school age and posted an 894 OPS with 17 homers, 26 stolen bases, and 109 games. Those were at low A and then double A. And then he went to the AFL. Here's a question that, you know, looking at one other player, the thing of, I'm wondering, not that this happens a lot as we've, you've detailed, Jason, the pandemic year robbed us of a year of players that could have done something similar. And I'm wondering how much of an impact that could have had. I'm, I'm looking at Wander Franco. Yeah. You know, so his, his age 18 year, he played across two levels of a ball. Then there was no 2020. And then he went straight to AAA in 2021. You know, uh, maybe <clears throat> maybe he would have gone to Double A to start 2020, and he would have gone to the big league. So it wouldn't have been the same kind of like three tiers, you know, unless he went double Triple A to the big leagues in 2020. But I'm wondering if there are some guys that because of that interruption, we didn't get to see. There, maybe there would have been a few more examples of guys that would have would have done, you know, would have done something like that. Yeah, but I mean, all of this to say, this is you know the season that we've seen from Holiday is. If not unprecedented, I guess it's not unprecedented considering what A-Rod did, um, but a very, very rare sort of season. What, what do you guys expect? You know, we have three weeks left where we'll see him at AAA. Is, is there any chance we see him get called up this year? Or is that entirely out of, even a 1% chance? Would you? Well, I mean, there's always a 1% chance because I, I think, <laughs> well, because no, because somebody well, could get always. hurt. Well, no, somebody got hurt. <laughs> Like, perhaps. But I, I'd be very shocked to see him in the big leagues this year. I, I think the, the, the I bigger agree. question is, could he make their opening day roster next year? Ooh. And I think there's a chance. I, my guess is he won't, but I think there, there's a chance that he could. Even if he tears up AAA, Orioles are in the postseason. Are you going to put him in your roster? Are you just too him? good. You, well, well, one, you got to put him on the 40, I mean, which is fine. I think that gets overrated, but you have to put him on the 40. But two... Are you going to call him up when he hasn't played in the majors and say, okay, now you're going to play every day in the playoffs? Like, I mean, he hasn't got, he just got to AAA. Like, so tearing up AAA, we'll say what, two weeks? So do you call him up September yeah, 20th weeks. and just put him in your big league lineup? Like, I, I don't, I don't think they do that. 
Unless yeah, he I, does something crazy like hits 500 over the next two weeks. I even even that. I you know I I think they you know they can. He's in Norfolk. You know he can have the you know AAA playoff experience. Uh, go through that. And then there's a better chance of him maybe making that opening day roster. Although I think he would go down to to AAA. I I, I think the only reason why there would be a s- slight chance you get called up if they didn't have other options at his position, you know, and like, but they do. <laughs> you know, guys have been guys have been up and down. They're loaded, right? There's a log jam. Like they, they, there are guys who, if say someone gets hurt, I think they you know call up Joey Ortiz right now before they would call up. Jackson Holiday because you know, Joey Ortiz has been in the big leagues, you know. So I, I just not in this system and not this year. I don't think. I know you you just touched on this a little bit in terms of making the opening day roster next year. What are the odds right now that he opens the the season in the big leagues next year? I'm gonna say like fifteen percent. I'll go twenty. Hmm. I, they just have too many options. Like like you you got you know, just up the middle. You've got. And I don't know the contract stats on the veterans. But you have Orhan Mateo, Adam Frazier, you got Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, you got Ramon Urias playing third base. Jonathan mentioned Joey Ortiz. Connor Norby isn't necessarily going to push Holiday, you know, aside, but Connor Norby can play the middle infield. Uh, he doesn't play you know, shortstop though. Yeah, well, I mean, shortstop's going to be Gunnar Henderson, Orhan Mateo. Like I think, I think if Holiday came up, he would be playing second base for the Orioles. I don't think he'd push Mateo. No, I think that's option. right. Um, but yeah, they just have too many options. Um, you know, again, we'll see. Like, can can we root for? How about how about we compromise? He doesn't make the team this year, but we send him to the fall league to get him even more at bats. Can we have him in the fall <laughs> league? Well, I was I was going to ask that question too. Is there any chance we see him in the fall league? He hasn't he hasn't missed any time. Um, he's got you know he's gotten plenty of at bats. Shh, stop. Do you, do you think we see him? You think <laughs> maybe? Yeah, I, I think we. I think you we think we could. see him, and I think. Again, I don't know how much weight to put on this, but like, you know, if he makes the opening day roster and does well in rookie of the year voting, that's that's yep. an extra draft pick. I don't think that's like the the ultimate thing that, you know, decides, but I don't think that's something to completely overlook. Here's here's another reason to send him to the fall league is I do think if he we makes want him or- to well, that, but that's not going to count. If he if he makes the Orioles, like I said, I think as like if he makes the Orioles, it's going to be to play every day. It, it's not going to be to you know agree play four times a week. And if he makes the Orioles, I think it's as a second baseman at this point of his career, given the other guys I have in the roster. He's only played sixteen games at second base in the minors. So let's get him to the fall league and and get him some more experience at second base to better prepare him for that for next year. Oh man, like, that settles like it. it, Michael Elias. Are you listening? Sold. Very persuasive, Jim. Uh, okay. Uh, anything else? I, I promise to do better in the rest of the show of uh, <laughs> answering at the appropriate times and not, uh, <laughs> not, not cutting Jonathan off when I have an epiphany. So I, I vow I, I'm going to be even better in the last uh, 70% of this podcast. All right. We'll see. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and uh, test Jim out. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. It's Kaylee. 
Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, back on the MLB Pipeline podcast with Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, Jason Ratliff. About a month ago, you two and Sam Dykstra projected a prospect from each team that could make an impact down the stretch. You remember that? Vaguely, but yes. I went on vacation, <laughs> so I cannot tell you which 10 players I picked. You have vacation brain. How many, how many of those 30 players do you think have uh, been called up since? I'm going to stick with the number six. I'll s- five. <laughs> wow, you guys are skeptical of yourselves. Uh, <laughs> went way low there. Uh, three, four, five, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Nearly half of them. Wow, been called up. We're good. Uh, Sedan Rafaela, Randy Vasquez, Curtis Mead, Corey Lee, Nick Lofton, Trey Cabbage, Lawrence Butler, Emerson Hancock, Xavier Edwards, Connor Phillips. Mason Wynn, uh, Slade Chagoni, Gavin Stone, and Kyle Harrison. Maybe, maybe we'll see more. Still got a few weeks remaining. A couple names that were not on that list and have made their debuts recently. One, Jason Dominguez, who, as everybody uh, in social media will tell you, feels like we've been talking about this guy for mm-hmm. 20 years, which is not, in fact... The reality, but it does seem he has been on the prospect radar uh, for, I guess, what four, four years. He's twenty. Yeah, going back to two thousand nineteen. I mean, mm-hmm. he's only twenty years old. So if we've been talking about him for twenty years. That would have been pretty, <laughs> pretty cool. Like he's Scout, born February two thousand three. This kid looks good. <laughs> we think this guy's going to be a literal bonus baby. We, we think he's going to be really good <laughs> in two thousand nineteen. Jesse Sanchez scouting out the maternity wards. Oh man! And then also in New York, uh, the National League side, Ronnie Mauricio, who has had a heck of a year, uh, has been called up as well and then we are as we record this wow excitement excitement here in the household very excited about jason dominguez and ronnie mauricio or was was that dog uh predicting that i was about to talk about the connor phillips debut that we are uh, anxiously awaiting for tonight was that a preview bark gus likes his top 100 debuts so he's he's very excited yeah so yeah i mean dominguez let's start there as we said, we've been talking about him for what seems like forever. Came with just about as much hype as any international prospect we've seen. And, uh, you know, we talked about, we, we talk about him all the time. It's, it's been an up and down ride. Expectations have, have fluctuated over the course of those four years. But he's here now. And, well, very, very early, but so far so good. And Jonathan, I know you filled in for Jim when he was out and wrote the uh, what to expect mm. from Jason Dominguez. So I know you can both weigh in on the Martian. I predicted he would homer off of Justin Verlander on his first major league swing, didn't I? I think you did. Uh, I meant uh, to. 
I meant to. Yeah, that was uh, that was something. Uh, you know, a guy homering in his first at bat is pretty cool. A uh, guy homering off of a future Hall of, Hall of Famer in his first at bat. Well, that that doesn't happen very often. In fact, we went back and looked, and Elias tells us that these are the players that have homered off of a future Hall of Famer in their first major league at bat. Burt Campanaris off of Jim Cott back in 1964. Reggie J. Sanders. I didn't know there was a Reggie uh, J. Sanders. Homered off Catfish. Wait, who is this Reggie Sanders? Homered off Catfish Hunter in 1974. Not, not, not the Reggie Sanders you're thinking of. No. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not that Reggie Sanders. I don't I don't know if I even, if I'm familiar with this Reggie J. Sanders. That was uh, for the Tigers against Catfish Hunter. He, he had 99 big league at-bats, which is why you don't remember That's him. why I don't know this Reggie Sanders. Johnny LaMaster, Giants, homered off of Don Sutton. Andre David, homered off of Jack Morris. Here's a cool one. Walt Clark, homered off of Nolan Ryan for his first big league homer and his first big league at bat. Jay Bell, homered off Burt Blylevin. And Marcus Thames, off of Randy Johnson. So a uh, pretty uh, small list there. Jim, you you were out, and so Jonathan ably picked up your what to expect. But if you were to... Uh, Briefly summarize what we should expect from Jason Dominguez, since you didn't get to. What do you think? I honestly don't know. I mean, we <laughs> we had moved him down the Great. top 100 prospects list a little bit, <laughs> and I've you know I've said like I think we even discussed it maybe on the podcast when we did that. Like he's just a confounding guy because he's been exceptionally young in every league he's been in. I, you know, outside of of playing a week in the Florida Complex League. He has been two to three to four, sometimes high, more years younger than the leagues he's been in. You know, he was he tore up AAA for I guess nine days before he got promoted to New York. But before that, in AA, he was you know on pace to you know have about twenty homers and forty five steals and a good number of walks and about one hundred and fifty strikeouts. And he was hitting two forty until he heated up. And he's been pushed so far so so fast that you want to give him credit, you know, like, oh, he's so young, you know, he's, he's, he's holding his own. And, it, you know, but, like, I still go back to the Fall League, and I don't put too much emphasis on the Fall League, although it, it's very much a hitter's league like we always talk about. And he did nothing in the Fall League last year. He hit 159 with no homers. At times, he didn't look great in the outfield. At times, he makes nice plays in the outfield. I literally don't know what to make of him. And then he comes up and he homers two times in his first three big league games. And now I'm wondering, I mean, you look at how bad the Yankees outfield has been aside from Aaron Judge this year. Is Jason Dominguez going to make the opening day roster next year for the Yankees? Uh, I think he gets a chance. Uh, yeah, I, I think he, he's going to get the chance, especially, you know, I mean, it probably somewhat has to do with how he plays in September. But, I mean, the Yankees probably aren't making the playoffs. And it looks like, at least from what happened this past weekend, that – that he and Austin Wells, who's a former top 100 prospect who got called up at the same time, are going to get the chance to play regularly in September. Um, and even, I mean, Aaron Judge played terribly in his first call-up and then wound up, you know, crushing the ball and was rookie of the year as, as a rookie. So I, I don't, I honestly don't know. If you told me that Jason Dominguez was going to be an all-star, I could definitely see it. And if you told me, 
you know, like again, I mean, when I, I've seen him look good and bad, and I've seen him look aggressive, and I've seen him look patient, and I've seen him look passive. So I, I, I feel like I need to recuse myself from any J. That, that's why I went on vacation. I knew he was coming up, and I knew, <laughs> I knew I didn't know what was going to happen, and so I was just going to let Jonathan write the what to expect. But I mean, he's, I think he's a hard prospect to figure out. What do you guys think? Uh, very. I mean, and I think I try to balance those things out in terms of just how young he is, how ridiculous the hype was. Like it was, you know, he's almost impossible to live up to the hype and, you know, but also he's not been a consistent performer. Uh, and you know, we saw him, you know, not even including the fall. He just got reports, you know, of, Bad swing decisions, you know, passive when he shouldn't be and aggressive when he shouldn't be. And then at other times, you know, doing amazing things like, you know, 40 plus steals. And, you know, I like what you said about his defense too. same, same kind of reports that I've seen. You know, sometimes he looks great and sometimes he looks terrible. So maybe he can't play center field. And it's all, it, it's it's very confusing. And I think the call-up was extremely surprising. Uh, you, you know, yeah, he was red hot in AAA, and I understand the Yankees are trying to sort of send a little jolt of energy uh, at the big league level, but, like, what What if he what if he comes up and is just awful? Like, what are you doing? And obviously they have a sense of his makeup and how he'll handle adversity and things like that, and I, and I know that they've said good things about that you know, in the past since he came stateside, but that this was a very surprising call up to me, uh, even though Jim knew it was happening. Yeah. Jim, uh, he didn't tell us exquisitely planned time off as I, I think he, he missed a record like 400. <laughs> yeah. What to expect. Yeah. Like eight players, uh, from his team, his 10 teams called up, uh, during his, two week. I feel like I've written nine of them already this year and that doesn't count. I think Gavin Williams got promoted while I was swamped at the combine and that's my limit. I'm not writing anymore. So I'm, I have another (laughs) vacation coming up, so we just need to make sure nobody gets promoted before I, I I go, go to Sicily. So. All right. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio, he's, he's no Jason Dominguez in terms of the hype, Uh, but another New York prospect Mets this time and a guy who doesn't it kind of feel like we've been talking about him forever as well and we have been talking about him a little longer longer, I guess because he signed in what 2017 yeah Mm -hmm. and he's been like on and off the top 100 prospects list he debuted on the list in 2019 at number 84 reached as high as 57 in 2020 and then he came off the list uh, midseason last year, was not on the preseason list this year, but he's had a really nice year. 292, 346, 506, 852 OPS at AAA. Uh, 2020 season is second in a row. Had a really nice uh, winter as well coming into this season. And uh, it, it, it seems like there are some similarities. Yeah, I think he didn't enter Pro Bowl, obviously, with the same hoopla that Dominguez. Yeah, he was, he was he, the number 11 prospect on the, the he, international right. list back in 2017. Yeah, he was a really good prospect, but obviously wasn't to the to the extent that Dominguez had. 
and I think, you know, the Mets for a long time, and you know, it's not always the same people making the decisions, but like, I feel that they historically push their international signings very quickly. So he was all, he's always been really young for his level. You know, he's shown off the power. I mean, this is third, third straight season of 20 or more homers while playing very young for his level. At the same time, the approach has been questionable. Um, it's been better this year, which is for me why he, you know, draw more walks, striking out less, uh, why he, you know, he is back on the list while playing like what, four years younger than the t- average hitter in the international league. And, you know, now, now he's up now. I don't, I don't know what position he ends up playing when all said and done. What do you think? Jay? I mean, offensive minded second baseman, maybe I think he's a second third. baseman and Jeff yeah. McNeil goes to the outfield. You got Brett Beatty at third. So I think second, and then he's played more second this year. Um, after never playing, you know, he, he had not, he played shortstop exclusively yeah. in his first four years in the minors. And this year he's played more at second base, about 50% of the time at second, 25% short, 25% in left. And I think it's probably second base and, and left field's probably the fallback. So he was, uh, number 11 on that 2017 international top prospects list. One spot behind Julio Rodriguez. Oof. You know, it, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but I saw Anthony Tacoma reported his first at bat. I think it was he hit a 117.3 yeah. mile an hour double off a low. It was a double, right? I think um, off yeah, of Logan Gilbert. Just a screaming line drive. Yeah, which was the hardest hit ball by Met all year. That, the one thing I'll be interested to see with him, because Jonathan, you hit the nail on the head. Like where I've always been a little skeptical of him is the strikeout to walk ratios have always been really out of whack, and he's been really aggressive. And to be fair. Super young for his leagues. You know, he was in A ball at age 18. And it has improved this year, and he has had the best year of his career in AAA. But I, I've also, just from talking to scouts and farm directors, and they're talking about the automatic balls and strikes in AAA, how it's really favored the hitters. Because one of the gripes that people have, and we've seen this in the fall league, and they're trying to you know perfect it before it's in the big leagues, is that if you have the true three-dimensional representation of the strike zone, you get some very weird strikes called where a ball will barely clip like a corner of the strike zone and then finish, you know, the catcher's catching it in the dirt or in the other batter's box, and it's called a strike. And from what I've been told, to avoid that, because that's not going to play well in the big leagues, either with the players or the fans, is that the ABS and AAA this year is a tight strike zone and that's a lot of pitchers have like I've had a number of farm directors tell me that their pitchers have had trouble dealing with it when they've gotten to AAA, and that the hitters it's yet another reason you know there's a lot of hitters parks in AAA too that the hitters have gone off in AAA. If you look at a lot of the best minor league numbers, a lot of them are AAA hitters this year, and so I'll be curious to see how much of that statistical improvement is real or how much of it is due to the ABS needing to be fine tuned because he went from about a mm. Five to one strikeout to walk ratio to three to one, but how much is that is real? Even when he was the MVP of the Dominican Winter League over the the off season, it was over four to one. So he's still young; he's twenty two. So maybe he has tightened it up some. But I'll be I, 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 that's in the back of my mind. I've had a number of guys talk to me more in the context of pitchers struggling 
when they get to AAA that the ABS has been really tight and it's it's been difficult for pitchers. So want to throw that in there but like very impressive debut and again the Mets like the Yankees disappointing season that began with World Series aspirations they do have some young players who are knocking on the door and it makes a lot of sense to figure out where they should play all right and here's here's one that uh, does not fit the bill of uh, the first two that we talked about Connor Phillips and uh, well this is pretty cool he gets to make his major league debut against the team that drafted him. I'm going to guess that doesn't happen all that often, uh, but that's got to add a, a extra bit of excitement for Mr. Phillips and uh, Jonathan. Yeah. What to expect? It, uh, it, yeah, it's interesting because Noel Le Marte also uh, getting yep. to play against his former team, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what to expect. I tried to sort of manage expectations. Stuff, pure stuff-wise, it's really, really good. Um, you know, we're we're talking about a guy who has um, a full array of pitches. Uh, you know, he's got two breaking balls. He, it's all about command for him. Um, his last start in AAA was really, really good. Uh, six strong innings. Uh, and he didn't, you know, he didn't walk guys. He missed bats. He always misses bats. But the the command and control have just been up and down. He came off a, a, a two-start stretch before that where he was just god-awful. I was told that he was uh, under the weather and kind of pitching through it. Uh, but, you know, he, he hasn't been – he'd been up and down in, in, in AAA overall. I think like if he can throw strikes, if he does, if he's not too amped up, then I think he has a, a, a chance to to help the Reds. And we, we talked last week on the podcast, uh, you know, when we had different uh, prospect call up possibilities, and he was a possible guy. And I thought maybe they would shorten him up and put him in the bullpen. This, and that was before he had this really really good start. They had a need uh, with Brandon Williamson going on the COVID IL. So the benefit for the Reds is that they can call Connor Phillips up and not put him on the 40-man roster uh, as per the COVID injured list rules. And then they can decide what they want to do. You know, they could either send, you know, if they, everyone starts coming back and they don't need him, uh, they can send him back down. They could give him another start. Uh, his stuff in, out, out of a bullpen would be absolutely nasty. And their, and their relief core has been banged up too. So they have a need and they're competing. So it wouldn't surprise me if he can show that he can throw just enough strikes to fill some big league role that they add him to the 40-man roster after the start uh, on you know today as we record this. Do you know who else made his major league debut against the team that drafted him? Wow. Are you right? Reggie J. Sanders. Oh, come on. Come on. No, <laughs> yeah. Reggie J. Sanders was drafted by the Oakland A's and before that by the <laughs> Kansas City A's. And then he homered off Catfish Hunter. So I almost feel like that, like the title of this episode should be Reggie J. Reggie Sanders. J. And no Sanders. one will have any idea what we're talking about. That's um, astounding. Connor Phillips has walked 57 batters this year in 105 innings. And Jim, you talked about that AAA strike zone. He walked 27 in 64 and two thirds at AA while striking out 111. Those numbers have really flattened out. At AAA, he's walked 30 in just 40 innings with only 43 strikeouts and 40, uh, 40 and a third. So 
uh, you know, just as you were talking about, it'll be interesting to see how much that strike zone, you know, you can consider that with Mauricio's numbers on the offensive end. That'd be interesting to see whether that tight strike zone uh, loosens really impacted a little bit. Phillips, yeah. yeah. And, and he went from the pre-tacked ball in the Southern League to triple. It's like, it's hard putting numbers in context because of the, the different conditions and different rules at different levels. Yeah. All right. Um, those are three big league debuts. Let's talk about some other debuts. Debuts on the top 100 prospects list. So as guys have graduated off the list, uh, we then add in the replacements at the end of the list, and we've done so uh, three times now recently, since last podcast, I guess. All three have come from the ranks of this year's draft class. A couple of shortstops, Matt Shaw of the Cubs, Tommy Troy of the D-backs, and then uh, a guy who's already in the big leagues uh, extremely quickly, Nolan Chanuel of the Angels. Uh, let's let's start uh, at what is now number eight, 98, Matt Shaw of the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, it feels like we've talked about him a lot in the podcast. And, and, and didn't weren't we saying when we did the top one, we updated the top 100 list, we were surprised we didn't have more draft guys on there, Jonathan, as deep as the draft we're, we're, was. We're making up for it now. I know, I was going <laughs> to say, now we're, we're compensating. But like, you know, we thought it was a very deep draft, especially on the college position player side. And we, we just, you know, proved it by adding three more. Um, and, you know, Matt Shaw, you know, is one of those six draftees who's already in double A. Um, he's hitting, I guess he went hitless last night. So his, his average drop, or, but he didn't play yesterday because it was Monday, but I think he went hitless his last game. He's down to 395, but he's hitting 395, 439, 649, 15 extra base hits, 12 steals in 28 games. I'm not, I, I mean, 395 surprised me. I'm not surprised he's hit the ground running in pro ball because we knew he could hit. I mean, he, he won the Cape Cod League batting title last year. He was Cape Cod League MVP. He holds Maryland's career home run record. He was Big Ten Conference Player of the Year. I mean, he's basically hit everywhere he's been. And he's I think he's going to hit for average. He's going to hit for power. He can run a little bit too. I, I think the real question with him is what position is he going to play? He's not really a shortstop, and that's not going to matter because the Cubs signed Dansby Swanson. They've got Nico Horner at second. I, I think they're going to wind up putting him at third, uh, and that's going to be his position in the long run, but I, you know, it's not going to surprise me if Matt Shaw is on the Cubs at some point next season. I mean, they've gone from kind of rebuilding to now they're probably going to make the playoffs as a wild card and look forward to contending going forward. And I think Matt Shaw could be their best option at third base by midseason next year. Jim, I will, uh, I'll correct you. You're, you're, it is true that Shaw was hitless yesterday because he didn't play. Um, but, he has not gone hitless since August 19th. Ah, okay. Well, I thought he was sitting over 400, so maybe he only went like one for four or something. Well, he went three for four in his last game. Ah, uh, well, see, I uh, was all over the place, so. Yeah, you were on vacation. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's hitting uh, 20 of 21 uh, going back uh, to August 8th. And he's reached base in all but two games so far. I mean, he's... Has been an on-base machine, 395 average, 439 on-base percentage, slugging 649. Not he's bad. played mostly second base since he's gotten to double-A. I mean, it's a small sample size because he's he's only been there for five days. Maybe he winds up at second base because his arm isn't super strong, and, and Nico Horner winds up at third base. But one way or the other, 
I do think he could force his way into that infield next year. And I'll tell my real quick Nico Horner third base story. I think the first time Nico Horner ever played third base was in the Fall Stars game. And um, <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr., that was your Vlad tore up the Fall League, almost took his head off with a line drive, like a head, head high line drive right at him. Uh, and and Nico, Nico did not enjoy that aspect of third base. He was kind of thanking, thank, thanking himself, thanking uh, the, the his lucky stars for still being alive after Vlad launched that line drive at him. I think was his first chance he ever fielded a third base. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we've talked about Matt Shaw, and now right behind him, which was also the case on our top 250 draft prospects list, is Tr- Tommy Troy. These guys are uh, inseparable. As far as our lists go, that's right. We will only move them up in tandem. Uh, you know, is another guy. I think that uh, kind of it, it, it remains to be seen if he can play shortstop. The Diamondbacks have had him play there exclusively, um, which makes you know sense. See, see how it works or if it works. Uh, you know, there there are tools there. He moves well. He's athletic. Um, most people saw him more playing third or second. Um, and I still think that makes the most sense. He's played some, he could play the outfield probably, uh, because he runs well. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I, I think it's uh, along the same lines. He's made the jump to high A. He hasn't been as dominant at that level, but another advanced college guy who, you know, might start next year in, in, in double A, even if he's not one of those guys who makes it to double A from the get-go. All right. And then the third member of this year's draft class to join our top 100 prospects list recently, Nolan Chanuel, who is known by the greater baseball world because uh, he's already in the big leagues, got there lightning fast. Uh, but he was number 26 on the top 100. Uh, no, no. I'm selling that list short. Top 250 draft prospects list. Uh, first baseman out of Florida Atlantic. And uh, you guys have seen enough. Put him on the top 100. <laughs> well, I mean, we always said that, you know, when trying to guess which draftees will be the cl- quickest to the big leagues to pick whoever the Angels took. But we didn't think it would be this quick. I just, you know, he's going to hit. You know, he hasn't shown much impact yet. But it's not even just the fact that he hit he had a 992 OPS in the minors uh and you know hit 365 with twice as many walks as strikeouts it's a small sample size but it's on the heels of having you know arguably the best offensive season of any college hitter OPS close to 1500 uh with 71 walks and 14 strikeouts i think he's going to hit he's even in the big leagues, again, no impact really yet. He's got one extra base hit, but more walks than strikeouts. And I think the the bat is just so advanced that I wanted to get him on. You know, for me, I wanted to get him on there uh, <laughs> before he graduates. Yeah, he he did leapfrog uh, quite a few prospects who were ranked higher than him on the draft prospects list. Mm-hmm. Is that largely because? Of what you just mentioned. He's in the big leagues. Well, no, I will say if we were in terms of the draft, I mean, he was if he didn't go 11th, he might have gone 13th to the Cubs. He was going to go in that 11 to 16 range. So even even though he went 
higher than we had him ranked, other teams liked him too. Like he was considered on a par with Matt Shaw and Tommy Troy and, and the guy, all those position players that kind of went in that 11 to 20 range. I mean, I think that's one, if we were, I don't know why we would do this, re-ranking our draft list now. Let's do it. Um, no. Why not? We, we have nothing else going on. Hard well, no. um, he, he would probably rank closer to 15 than where we had him on the draft list. Does that seem fair, Jonathan? Yes, I think that that's that's fair. And we say you know, whenever this kind of thing comes up, with we understand that we don't know. That's not scientific or set in stone. You know, and quickly after the fact, we recognize that uh, the industry probably liked some guys more and some guys less. All right, guys, let's wrap up by answering a question from the mailbag, and fittingly about some more of this year's draftees. And the question comes from our old friend Stevie D. Uh, which prospects drafted outside of the first round in this year's draft have surprised you so far? Who you got? I can give you two. You want two? I'll take two. Um, I think Stevie D would be happy with two. I, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily have thought, like, if I'll ask you guys, who's which Which draftee has the most home runs in pro ball this summer? Do you guys know? Mm, no. I do now. <laughs> it's, it's Trevor Werner of the Royals, who was a seventh round pick out of Texas A&M, who some scouts liked for his power. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry for his power on the mound. I should say he does not really want to pitch. Um, he's hitting. He's got eight homers, so that that's one that's kind of jumped out at me. He's hitting 340, uh, you know, off to a great start. And then just sticking with the home run theme, I liked Cole Foster of the Giants, who was a third round pick um, this year. Uh, as a shortstop and, and you know he I think he's got a chance to hit for a little power I think he's got a chance to hit for a little average um, and I do like him I am kind of surprised that he is tied for second with seven home runs I knew he had some power like 15 to 20 homer pop he's a an Auburn product who is actually our, our second ranked uh, high school shortstop in Texas behind Mason Wynn during the pandemic year before he went to Auburn um, but I was not necessarily thinking he would come out and hit seven home runs in a little over 100 at bats so far. So those would be my two my two biggest surprises. How about you, Jonathan? Do I also have to give you two? I'll give no, you we'll two. take one. No, that's all right. Um, I think the first would be. I wish the question was phrased "impressed" and not "surprised," but uh, you I'll, can I'll say ask, "impressed." Well, it's no, it's, I'll start with Cole Carrig, um, just in terms of the impact that he's had. And we've talked about his tools. You know, the people saw the arm strength during the combine. Uh, but he is off to a you know, very good start to his pro career. The OPS is over a thousand. He's got five homers. Um, he's got 19 extra base hits. He leads all draftees in total bases. Um, and he's got 13 steals, which you know, we knew about the speed. So like the tools are actually showing up. Um, so that's so, yeah, like, I'm not like super surprised, but um, but you're impressed. You know, but, but I'm impressed. And then, sort of along those same lines, I'll I'll uh, I'll put Homer Bush Jr. in that sort of impressed. And again, he, he's impacting the ball a bit. Uh, yes, uh, perfect. Nineteen for nineteen in stolen bases. We knew the speed was going to play, and then uh, he's got eight doubles. He's got three homers, and that's kind of the biggest thing. Um, with him is that, you know, he hit at Grand Canyon, uh, but there was some question about the impact. Is it going to be power? Is there going to be power? He's got a frame where power could get added, 
but he can get on base. He can really run. He can play center field, um, you know, and he can hit. So he doesn't have to hit a ton of homers. It's enough, uh, enough impact that uh, he's probably sort of surpassed what I thought he might do right out of the gate because I thought maybe it would take him a little time uh, to show any kind of impact at the plate at the pro level. I was curious where uh, Cole Carrig's been playing since he plays everywhere. Uh, looked it up. Looks like uh, six games behind the plate, five at DH, uh, nine games at shortstop, and 11 in center field. So... Pretty cool. Just uh, gonna play, gonna play right up the middle, wherever you want. Catch short center field. Pretty good. All right. Well, Stevie D, thank you very much for that question, and thanks everybody for listening. That's gonna be a wrap for this week's MLB Pipeline podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. <laughs>